street food heaven. We're in Japan. Why are you watching videos? Just using my phone to find our next meal. What's that? Let's find out. With my Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra, I can circle it with the S Pen and search right in the app. Looks like it's called Takoyaki. Tofu! Actually, it's fried octopus. <laughs> I knew that. Circle it, find it. With the new Galaxy S24 Ultra and circle the search with Google. Get yours now at Samsung.com. Internet connection required. Results may vary based on visuals. This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. I think a new team has arrived in the AFC West, and their name is the Los Angeles Chargers. Yeah. Herbert stops, launches deep. Jalen Guyton, he's got it. Herbert fires open, making the grab. Mike Williams down the sideline. 17-yard line, look out again. Car intercepted. And we are back with another episode of the Shock Therapy Podcast brought to you by the Say It Again Network. I'm Tyler Lawrence. You can find me at LAC Masterable. Zach Alfers is my co-host uh, at Zach Alfers on Twitter. What's up, Zach? You ready to get into some Raiders? What's going on? I guess so. Um, let's break them down. We have to. They're in the division. They beat us the last time we were out on the football field. So um, I'm excited for our Raiders matchups this year at the the very least just so we can get some payback from how they ended our season last year it was it's left such a sour taste in my mouth um, a big part of why I'm excited about 2023 is to be able to beat up on some Raiders um, it's something we've done for a long time um, and then that last game was just like I said sour taste left in my mouth I, I, I want to erase that um, as fast as we can also um, yeah I don't know if you know but you're you're Video's not on. My video's not on. That's interesting. No, I just see a black screen. All right, I'll get the video going up here in a minute. But, uh, so we had some additions uh, to the Raiders. Let's just get to the big one, Devontae Adams. Uh, what? How big of a trade was that? Trading away essentially their 2022 first round pick and their 2022 second round pick for Devontae Adams and signing to a five-year $141 million. Contract. I mean, I think it's huge. I'm all for trading draft picks, which which they're they're just you know lottery tickets. You, you really don't know, even if you have number one overall, it, it's a lottery ticket. Um, and so to be able to trade those in for the best receiver in the last five years, um, who doesn't look like he's slowing down any bit, um, pairing him with his college teammate, who he has a really good rapport with, and Derek Carr. Um, 
it's huge for a, a Raiders team that was nine and seven, uh, their first winning season in a long time. Um, a, a team that was n- not quite good enough to get into the, you know, make a run in the playoffs, but just good enough to, you know, keep their fans hearts in it. Um, I think it's a, a re- they're in a really kind of a limbo year. And I think that was a really good signing to uh, bring all the excitement back. You know, that, that Raider fan base, as much as you want to say about them, um, they love their team. So that, that's a, a huge trade, a huge player to get behind. Um, that's going to bring a lot of Raider fans out, which they, they already travel really well. They already support their team uh, tremendously. So Devontae Adams is going to put a lot of people in the seats. Um, that, that's a huge trade. You know, they're not playing too far from home. Kind of uh, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams played together at Fresno State for uh, three or four years before they ended up getting drafted. Uh, he knew he was going to Las Vegas before before anybody else because he went and bought a house right next to Derek Carr right. uh, before the trade even happened. So they they knew that was in the works. Uh, they offered Devontae Adams the same amount of money the Packers did, and he still turned it down, turned down a Hall of Fame quarterback uh, to go essentially play with his buddy from his college days. Uh, we'll see if it works out. Devontae Adams is one of the best in the game. Uh, he might be the best wide receiver Getting a little bit older, I think he's like 29 years old, uh, signing him to a five-year contract at his age. He's still very much in his prime, uh, but yeah. typically that's a that's a long time for a wide receiver uh, entering his 30s. But, I mean, the guy's an animal. He, he catches everything thrown his way. Teams, de- defenses, bracket coverages to him, and it just doesn't matter. Um, he's going to be a problem. He's going to be a major, major problem in the division. Somebody I'm not really too stoked to – see twice a year um the other key additions that the Raiders have uh they signed wide receiver Demarcus Robinson from Kansas City wide receiver Matt Collins from Miami uh wide receiver Keelan Cole from the Jets uh they signed tight end Jacob Hollister from Jacksonville fullback Jacob Johnson from New England uh running back Brandon Bolden another New England special teams stud uh Defensive tackle, Bile Nichols from Chicago. Defensive tackle, Vernon Butler from Buffalo. Uh, another defensive tackle, Kyle Pico. Inside linebacker, Jayon Brown. I think he's from Tennessee. Um, inside linebacker, Micah Kaiser. Uh, edge rusher, uh, Chandler Jones. That's a, that's a big one. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Three years, $51 million. Uh, 32-year-old player, still a really, really productive edge rusher. Uh, they grabbed Kyler Fackle from us last year. Cornerback uh, Anthony Averett, uh, Darius Phillips, Jerron Harmon. Uh, they traded for Jarrett Stidham, and they have Nick Mullins, and then they traded for Rocky Sin. That's a lot of additions to this team. Uh, this team looks totally, totally different on paper than they did last season. It's it's kind of crazy to see how much turnover they had with with a changing coaching staff. It's huge, but they needed they needed something different. You know, the, the Raiders of the last decade have just been so stale. It's just, you know, they beat teams they shouldn't, um, lose games they shouldn't, and it, that's just not a good structure to, to build around. Um, and so now they got some new pieces. They got some new faces in there, and we'll, we'll see what the, what the product they have to turn in on days looks like. So for all of that turnover that they had, they – only re-signed four of their own players. Uh, they, they, it's, it's not really a re-sign. It's more of like an extension for Hunter Renfro, who's getting paid um, his worth because he's 
he's turned into one of the best route runners in the league, in my opinion. Um, he's got that that special route that's kind of made up for him where uh, he fakes like he's going to the flat, then he comes back in, then he goes back out to the flat, or vice versa. It's a big goal line, um, big end zone, uh, red zone type of play for them. Uh, and then they also signed just a one-year contracts. Uh, they re-signed Brandon Parker, Jonathan Hakins, and Jermaine Illuminor. Uh, I didn't think the Raiders' offensive line was all that good. Uh, they seem to be running it back with a, a handful of them. In terms of the draft, uh, they drafted offensive guard Dylan Parham in the third round. I think this is a player who's going to find a way to start early, really, really quickly. Dylan Parham's a, a phenomenal player. Uh, they also uh, drafted Zamir White in the fourth round from Georgia. Uh, defensive tackle Neil Farrell from LSU. Defensive tackle Matthew Butler from Tennessee. Uh, and then their two seventh-round picks. I don't know much about Thayer they, Munford and Britton Brown. Um, they didn't really have a whole lot in terms of draft picks, but I feel like they really loaded up on the defensive line and free agency and in the draft. Um, so it, uh, this team looks totally, totally different. Their, their biggest losses, uh, Zay Jones – uh, left for Jacksonville. Uh, Brian Edwards was traded basically for, for pennies, a fifth-round pick. Um, Marcus Mariota went and found a place to go start for at least one season. Uh, Casey Hayward, uh, cornerback, we we know very, very well, has also fallen into Atlanta. Uh, you had defensive tackle Quentin Jefferson, um, who went to Seattle. Uh, Alec Ingold left for Miami. Brandon Faxon, Indy. Nick Kwiatowski, I didn't see where he ended up going. Uh, Solomon Thomas, and then they traded away uh, edge rusher Unique and Gwapwe and released Kyle Littleton. So a lot, a lot of turnover. Uh, this team really starts for them with their run game, at least this season, but they did not pick up Josh Jacobs' uh, fifth-year option, which is a little surprising even for a running back because I feel like he's been very, very productive when he's been on the field. Um what are they going to do at running back next season? Is Zamir White going to be their their guy for twenty twenty three or beyond? After Josh Jacobs, or or you're talking about after this season? After Josh Jacobs, yeah. Like, what's the plan for after Josh Jacobs? Do you think is? Yeah it 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 seems for whatever reason that the Raiders organization is not in love with Josh Jacobs for whatever reason. Uh, I think he's a really good player. I think he's right below the top tier of running backs in this league, but he's a very, very good, solid running back one. Um, and he has a lot of depth, so he's not going to be putting on, you know, you, you, he doesn't have to take on the brunt of the work like a traditional bell cow uh, running back would because he has a lot of running mates. Kenyon Drake is a really good all-around uh, running back, too, who could be starting for some teams um, if given the op opportunity. Zamir White is a tremendous talent. We'll have to see what he can do. Um, in this league, but I think he, he's up and coming. It's just a matter of time having him develop his rhythm uh, before he's a guy who can take running back one snaps for you. Uh, and then Brandon Bolden gives them tremendous depth. I think he's mostly going to be a special return or, or a special team specialist for them. Um, but to have four guys that you can go to in a pinch at a, at a position that is known for getting banged up, that you know you, you very very rarely make it through a full season with your top two top three guys all playing in 16 games uh to get, have that flexibility at a position that no doubt is going to be banged up a, a, along the course of a 17 game season um i think you know um 
gives them a, a lot of options there because they, they are a team that likes to get physical. They like to run the ball. They have a tremendous uh, receiving core depth, but I think it starts um, running the football over there in Las Vegas. And, you know, I think that their head coach is really going to work out for them. Josh McDaniels, uh, he went to Denver for a couple seasons, just kind of didn't pan out the way that he really wanted it to. And then he uh, he went back to New England. New England's always had a strong run game. Bill Belichick really believes in it. And granted, while you've got teams afraid of Tom Brady for most of their career, um, you look at the list of running backs that have come out of New England, and they just turn them out like no other. And so I think Josh McDaniels is really going to utilize him really well. But I also don't think that they they can find mid-round running backs very easily. Um, the, the, the Patriots can. And if Josh McDaniels has learned anything from his time uh, being offensive corner under Bill Belichick for, what, 20 years or something like that? I feel like Josh McDaniels has been their offensive coordinator for so long. Um, he, he's going to bring some of that offensive play style uh, to the Raiders, and I think that's really, really going to benefit um, <clears throat> uh, Josh Jacobs. And I don't think that Josh Jacobs is going anywhere next season. I just don't think they view him being paid as like a top five running back. Right. When, you look, when you look at at how much they would pay him on a franchise tag, he's not going to get that in a multi-year contract, right? I think he'd be good for $10 million a year, maybe, you know, right around that range, maybe a little bit more, <clears throat> depending on how he plays this season. But at the same time, I mean, the, the franchise tag is, or the fifth-year option pays you like a, a top 10 running back in the NFL, and I think they're going to be very worrisome about paying somebody like that amount of money on a one-year deal because that's just going to eat up so much cap. Why not sign them to a three, four-year extension and your early cap is going to be seven, eight million a year. And then toward the back half of the, <clears throat> his contract, uh, when you can kind of cut bait if things aren't working out, if the injuries start to pile up, um, you're, you're, not, you're not forcing yourself into this huge contract for a one-year deal for a running back. Which is also absolutely insane that you're talking about 10 mil a year as not top dollar for the running backs this year. Like, how long ago was it we were talking about Melvin Gordon holding out for the that exact type of contract? 10 mil a year, three years, uh, didn't want it. Thought he was deserved more. And now we're talking about the 11th best running back in the game, arguably. Um, that that's a fair price tag for him. That just, it's just crazy. The the contracts go up so high every, every year. Um, it's just baffling to me. So right Sorry. now there is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight running backs making over eight, uh, $12 million a year this, this Same. season. Christian McCaffrey, Alvin Kamara, Ezekiel Elliott, Dalvin Cook, Derrick Henry, Nick Chubb, Aaron Jones, and Joe Mixon are your only running backs making over that. The only other running, the next running back on that list is making about $8 million a year, and that's Saquon Barkley because he's still on a rookie contract as a top five pick uh, from a few seasons back. So running backs just don't get paid anyways unless you're a superstar. And then also, how many of those guys have dealt with injuries? I know Dalvin Cook has, Chris McCaffrey has, Derrick Henry has the biggest workload, but he does, toward the end of the season, always find uh, some significant injuries and ends up missing some time. Um the, those running backs, the, that tread starts to come up and wear thin. Uh, so I wouldn't pay Josh Jacobs 
you know, a, a split of that 12 million to 16 million between Chris McCaffrey and Aaron Jones, Joe Mixon. It just doesn't make sense. <clears throat> uh, kind of moving on. I, I guess we kind of skipped quarterback Derek Carr. Um, where has Derek Carr kind of pushed his name in terms of rankings among the, the league starters? Cause he had a really good season last year with no offensive line. Uh, and his, Tight end Darren Waller was out most of the season. Uh, they were missing Josh Jacobs for big chunks. It really, people need to give credit to Derek Carr because he carried their offense, which was not supposed to be very good last year, mainly just throwing to Hunter Renfro as his key target. Because Brian Edwards, they traded him away because he wasn't being productive for them. And they did not have a great offensive line outside of Colton Miller. Yeah, you're asking me where, where do I rank? Derek Carr. Yeah, but has he kind of improved his his stake, uh, his you know ranking among the league's top quarterbacks for the season he had last year? For me, I think he just solidifies himself to where he is, which is as right outside of the top ten. Um, I think he's really good. I just don't. I go back and forth with this. I think we saw the best version of Derek Carr we've ever seen last season. I'll give him that. Um, I think he's gotten better since he's been in the league. I just don't see him as an elite quarterback by any means. Um, I see him. Let's see. Let's so he had 4,800 yards last season, 23 touchdowns, and 14 interceptions, which is kind of a high number a little bit. Yeah. Herbert had pretty close to the same number of interceptions last year, had more yards, had more touchdowns. Um, and then you also look at what the I Raiders see. went through last year. Like he, he as a leader, right? Like that goes a long way. Maybe not just pure arm yeah. talent, but if you take everything together, you take what he had to deal with, with the whole head coach change with, there was a lot of off field problems for the Raiders last year. Look at their wide receiver who um, crashed his car and killed another person. And he still oh, yeah. managed to carry this team to the playoffs. And it was not a good team in terms of high-end talent pretty much anywhere on the roster. Um, and he was able to, to carry the offense. Whether or not he has the stats to back it up, Derek Carr is a winner with the right pieces in place. Sure. No, I get it. I, and I think he played in another era. Um, you would be able to put him in that top tier best of the best quarterbacks but we're playing in a league right now where there are so many good quarterbacks um and so i kind of have Derek carr right under the deshaun watsons right under kyler murray but just slightly better than the matt ryan kirk cousins the Tannehills of work so i think he's middle of the pack I, i i think he's the best of that option um I, I do. I would probably take him over Kyler Murray and Deshaun. Definitely over Deshaun. I, I think you can make an argument right now over Kyler Murray. I love Kyler's athleticism, um, but you have to go back to impacting football games. And Derek Carr, for whatever it is, that his teammates love. Him. He's a great captain. He's a great motivator. Uh, uh, and and that's a big part of the quarterback position beyond just arm, beyond making just the throws. Uh, do your believe in you? And I've never heard anyone say they worked with Derek Carr, who has been a teammate of him, say anything bad about him. They love that guy. Um, I just don't 
I can't put him in the top 10. I think he's right below that. Um, but not at a fault of his own. I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good player. I think he's just in a era of football where there's just so many phenomenal quarterbacks. And in a really good conference as well. I mean, being a quarterback in the AFC conference is going to be tough. Uh, moving oh, yeah. on to the wide receivers, we did talk about Devontae Adams, superstar. I don't think we need to talk about him anymore. Uh, Hunter Renfro kind of took that step into just that underneath superstardom, right? He's he's not going to be the flashiest breaking. Uh, he's not going to get behind the defense or anything like that. He's just a really solid route runner who gets open. Really, really good third down target. Really, really good red zone target. Um He's really come into his own. I just don't think he's hit that superstardom yet. Uh, wide receiver Demarcus Robinson is going to play outside of him. Hunter Renfro is going to play mainly in the slot. And then they'll have Devontae Adams move inside and out in different sets. Uh, they also have Keelan Cole, Mac Hollins, and Tyrone Johnson, which makes up a really difficult um, wide receiver four battle between the four of them. Uh, and then they also have Darren Waller, who is one of the, the best pure catching tight ends. I don't think he's all that special as a blocker. I think they leave a lot of that work to Foster Moreau and Jacob Hollister mm -hmm. is going to get a lot of work there as well. But Darren Waller is a, a really difficult vertical threat for them. Um, a lot of people don't really have him in that top three range. Uh, some, A lot of people do. They think that he's just kind of outside of the uh, Travis Kelsey's, the um, San Francisco tight end that I can't think right now, and um, the Baltimore tight end, uh, Andrews. And Mark Andrews, which I think is ri ridiculous. I think Waller is right there with all th three of those guys. He is in terms of his pass catching ability, his vertical route running, uh, his hands. I just don't think he is where those other three guys are in terms of their blocking ability, which is why I think a lot of people drop him down. Uh, he's not the biggest, most physical athlete. He is a quick twitch, um, fast vertical threat. I think that from a stats perspective, he's right there with all of them. Uh, he just doesn't uh, – he's just not at that same level, right, As, so that's in an, terms of that. He's not He's not all, uh, the well-rounded. He's yeah. the, one of the best at what he is good at, but he's not fully well-rounded in my opinion. That's an interesting distinction, like that, that he is a top-tier pass catcher at the tight end position, but not a top-tier tight end. Because there's more right. to it than just catching the ball, right? So, right. A, a, as so, far as receivers go who play tight end, I think he's the one of the best. Um, oh, those other three guys are, are all around tight ends, can do everything uh, that you need from the position. So, I I, I hear where you're where, where you're coming from 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 that standpoint. Uh, they ended up signing Jacob Johnson from New England. I think that has a lot to do with their new head coach, uh, Mike McDaniel's. Um, they got rid of Alec Ingold, who's been one of the better run blocking, just pure blocking fullbacks in, in mm -hmm. the league. Uh, Jacob Johnson, I think, offers more uh, special teams value, which is part of the reason why they chose to go with him over Alec Ingold. Uh, and that familiarity of, of how New England likes to use their fullbacks, uh, they're very useful in their style of offense, one of the few remaining true fullbacks that they, we have in the NFL. And I think Jacob Johnson is kind of just moving into his own uh, he's going to play a big special teams role for them. Uh, moving on to their offensive line. I just um, think I, I, I just wanted to comment a little bit on Jacob Johnson because I thought his story was interesting. He, he was born in Germany. I and didn't know that. And then was a, a linebacker his first season at Tennessee. And then 
finished his career as a tight end. Um, so he has some soft hands. He's not a really like a yard after a catch guy, um, except he did average nearly 11 yards per reception last year, but only on, uh, let's see, five targets. Um, either way, soft hands can catch you the ball, can move the chains for you. I, I just think um, that's He's that athletic. It, it is. It, he, he is. Um, he's an interesting player. But young guy, um, only 28, it'll be his fourth season. It'll be interesting to see how they utilize him because he has yet to carry the ball a single time in his career. Um, I just thought that was interesting. I mean, how many fullbacks outside of uh, uh, Juice uh, Juice Juice Check? check. How many guys carry the ball except for Juice Check? I guess my my point is that (laughs) he, he has 16 targets in the receiving game 13 receptions has not even got a carry so that at a running back position at the fullback position of all things so that just that well just, you said it, it yourself just, he's he doesn't offer much run after the catch ability in terms right. of like you know those days of fullbacks taking that that fullback dive are gone uh matter of yeah. fact they don't even give them to fullbacks anymore they'll give them to a, a 350 pound offensive tackle or defensive tackle, tackle and yeah. let him let him kind of bully his way in I, I very rarely do you even have fullbacks who have that that Mike Allstott ability, right? Like that is so long gone. Um, I can't even remember the last time I saw a fullback outside of Juice Check actually even get a carry. And Juice Check is more of a threat as a receiver than he is as a, a, a running back. Um, we have one on our roster, though, so who knows? Maybe we'll see some. I'd like to give him uh, the ball. Yeah. Xander uh, Horvath. Xander I'm Horvath excited. Has some has some ability there as a, a fullback that can carry and hit the hit the hole. He's exciting. I'm excited to get him involved. Um, it'll be interesting to see how we we how Lombardi wants to utilize him because I've he's never had a a fullback with that type of uh, well I don't think he's really utilizes a whole lot of fullbacks in in his no he system. Was, um, and then we kind of faded out. We be- we didn't we didn't even use neighbors last year. Um, it was kind of that H back role, and we used that even sparingly. So we it'll used be it for Steven Anderson, as a matter of fact. So right, yeah, uh, Lombardi likes to use tight ends as fullbacks. Is right it's been kind of what he's done through his whole time with New England. It'll be interesting because we do have, and it's very rare that you even see fullbacks who can't run the ball anymore. Xander Horvath. Getting off topic a little bit, but Xander Horta has that ability and, and to be able to see that, it's kind of exciting. Bring some old style of football back. Uh, moving on to the offensive line, Colton Miller is going to be their uh, offensive tackle. Probably one of the better graded offensive tackles in the NFL right now. Um, Denzel Good and Jermaine Illuminor will be the, your guards. Andre James will be center. And right now they have Alex Leatherworth slated to play right tackle again which is interesting. Uh, we'll see if that ends up uh, working out for them, but they don't have anybody else outside of Brandon Parker who can take those snaps. And I don't know much about Brandon Parker. So I, I feel like they're they're They kind of have to be bought in on Alex with Leatherwood playing tackle because they don't really have anybody else on the depth chart. They have some depth at guard, uh, John Simpson, and then Dylan Parham, who I think is going to find his way starting probably at right guard in place of uh, Jermaine Illuminor. Um, yeah, Alex O was the, the guy there. He's, he's stuck there and they are going to see what happens this season. They moved yeah. him to 
guard last year after having a, a horrendous start at right tackle. He was struggling. They must they must have a lot of faith in those guys because I feel like that was their biggest weakness last season and they did nothing to They're running it, it back. They, yeah. They did nothing. Um added some potential camp battle with Brandon Parker, but it, it you drafted both of them. Colton Miller's not going anywhere. And Leatherwood, you drafted so high, you need him to pan out or you need him to just fail miserably so you have that so you're able to move away from them because there's no option. There's no in-between option, right? You you drafted that guy very highly to be a very good player for you. He hasn't pinned out so far. Um, he's not going anywhere. In my opinion, you got to have to figure out what you have in him. Is he really, is he? Yeah. You don't really know what you have in Leatherwood. So I, I think it's interesting. They didn't do much to address that offensive line. Um, I think you're going to see Derek Carr running around for his life again. Um, I think, the good thing for him is he has a, a couple other um, threats to throw the ball off to. I will say that all those guys are year older. They're all going to be a little bit more developed. They can't sure. be as bad as they were last season. And they did technically address it when they signed Dylan Parham, who I think is going to be, he's going to find a, a place to start on this offensive line. And it's probably going to be Luminor's spot. Cause I think mm-hmm. Denzel good has enough there. Um, but I mean, they're tied to Alex Leatherwood for at least another two seasons. And the easiest way to develop a player, in my opinion, is throw them into the fire and let them figure it out eventually or cut bait in a couple of years. But when they that draft pick was made, I mean, he's Alex Leatherwood with Alabama. He was a really, really good player. Um, I thought he was drafted a little bit high. Uh, he was drafted really high. Like, let's, <laughs> let me bring, let, let's talk about that for a second. Like, this guy was a, a mid-second round to a third round pick by a lot of people. He has the length. He has guys who have tools get drafted much higher than their, um, than their ability and their talent sometimes. And he's super long and lengthy. He's a huge human being. I understand why they were so high on him, but he was not developed enough to, to go and take that role. But you, you played Alabama. I know you don't scout the helmet. You scout the player, but, Alabama offensive tackles always seem to turn out eventually, pan out eventually. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I think there's still a couple seasons away from from being developed enough to – but, hey, they made the playoffs with this offensive line, right? Right, yeah. But we'll see if it'll hold up, though, in, in an AFC West that is completely revamped their defenses. A lot of additional pass rushers have entered the division – Lots of DBs that make that a little harder to get rid of the football. So um, we'll see if that line can hold up because uh, those AFC West defenses in particular and the rest of the AFC um, and the NFC West, for that matter, really good defenses. So we'll, we'll we'll see if those five can hold up. Well, I'm excited to see Bosa uh, lined up over Alex Leatherwood again. That'll be fun. I'm all for that. That sounds like a six-sack game. Uh, Max Crosby, uh, their edge rusher that they – he was like a, a middle to late round draft pick for them a couple seasons ago. It's really panned out really well, way better than anyone would have imagined. Crosby was drafted in the same class as Clown Farrell and has started in his place was drafted rounds after Clown Farrell. Uh, Farrell was like a, a fourth overall pick. And yeah, to see really his high. story, like he, he's got such a great story with his background. 
and him actually like making it, getting clean, all of that. Great, great success story. I actually really do like the player. He's a fun player to watch overall. He's just he's a, a highlight reel, uh, and he just manhandles anybody he plays against. Uh, they also signed Chandler Jones from Arizona. Uh, Chandler Jones, getting a little bit older. Uh, I thought he was a little bit overpaid. I understand why they did it, because Chandler Jones has that superstar talent. He's going to sell seats just for People around the league really respect Chandler Jones for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, still had like 10 sacks last year. His pressures were down. Um, played in Arizona, which ran more of a 3-4. Um, I think Chandler Jones is going to play with his hand in the dirt a lot more than he has in previous seasons, um, which will be a little bit interesting. But, I mean, this guy's a veteran. He's going to be able to, to make that change easily. Um, Cleland Farrell is still their backup. Uh, eventually this guy is going to get cut or traded or something. He needs a fresh start somewhere else because he has no chance of really getting a whole lot of playing time. Uh, He's going to be a rotational type of player, but for a player that was drafted fourth overall, you're expecting a lot more from Cleland Farrell than what you've gotten. And then they also have Malcolm Koontz, who will be the, uh, the other rotational piece for them there. Um, What, what is, is this, pairing of Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, like among the, you know, top 10 edge rushing duos in the NFL right now. Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, I think so. I'll put him in the top five. I think Max Crosby is that guy, um, that the new up and comer into the, you know, um, the Joe, the Bosa's, the, um, who are we going with, uh, Nick Bosa, Joey Bosa, you look Bosa's, at Bosa's TJ Watt and um my guy from Cleveland, Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett. Yeah, Those so I the, think Crosby's right there with all of them. I, I got him right in there, and then I have, you know, Chandler Jones was that guy, I would say like five years ago. Um, was that fifth guy in a really good edge class. So I, I think he's at the tail end of his career. Um, but a guy who's racked up a hundred and seven, I think it's a hundred and seven and a half sacks over the last ten seasons, just productive consistent um you know what you're getting with chandler jones and it's a it's a double digit sack season or or more um so i i really see this signing as a oh i see i really see it as a a rebuttal to the chargers uh signing cleo mack like oh they have a legit superstar pass duo we need to do something who's the next best target um and to me the, the next best guy on the market was chandler jones so I, I think it's a, a, a rebuttal move, but I think it's a really good move. I don't think the Raiders have had a, a pass rush duo this potent in a, in a long time. At least I can't remember one. Um, Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about Sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever won in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. 
Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. SheathUnderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. Sheath Underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Now, the most unique thing about Sheath underwear is that they have these dual pouches that keep your man parts separated, which prevents things from sticking together, keeps them right where they need to be. They'll be the most comfortable pair of boxer briefs you've ever worn in your life. Plus, they have brand new materials like bamboo and mesh for even more cooling comfort. Go to sheathunderwear.com and get the most comfortable underwear you've ever worn. And if you use promo code IHEART, you'll also get 20% off your order. That's sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART. And then you look at the guys inside. I think they got a solid defensive line. It'll be interesting, you know, now that they move moving away from Gus Bradley. Uh, I forget their new defensive coordinator's name, but it'll be interesting to see um, his wrinkle on this yeah, defense so and how Crosby responds. I can talk about him real quick. So Patrick Graham, he enters his first season Graham. with the Raiders as their defensive coordinator, brings with him 13 years of NFL experience. He spent the last two seasons as the defensive coordinator uh, with the uh, New York Giants, uh, having previously coached uh, defensive line with them. So he's a he's a, a defensive line coach, which means Crosby and Chandler and Clellan Farrell should get even better. Um uh, he earned his first defensive coordinator position with the Dolphins in 2019 after spending the 2017 season with the Packers. The Dolphins had a really dangerous defense there for a while, and so had the Packers. Um, he began his coaching career in New England, so you're already looking at that as his familiarity with the um, with the head coach, uh, Mike McDaniels. Um, he spent seven seasons with the Patriots from 2009 to 2015, um, working with Josh McDaniels prior to entering the NFL, Graham spent seven season coaching collegiately at Notre Dame, <laughs> which tells you everything you need to know. So he's he's got the right uh, right path to where he's at right now, uh, and it makes a lot of sense. Uh, they're going to run a true four three defense, but I mean, you look at the Patriots defenses and how much trouble they've caused. Um, I mean, this guy is a proven winner. Super Bowls are in his – he's got a couple of them on his finger just from his time with the Patriots. So uh, I think that he's he's going to be a phenomenal coach for them. Which which, which I think is a big – which is, I think, a big contributor to why the, the Raiders are just kind of mediocre year in, year out, is their lack of elite coaching, their lack of culture. I, I haven't seen, you know, a, a, a Raider culture has been unexistent for the last 10 seasons. So got two very, very young coaches coming in to an up and coming roster that has a, feels like they have a lot to prove still. Uh, I think that's a good recipe, but we'll see that they, they Raiders always seem to fumble expectations. Um, and I think a big part of that is their lack of coaching always top in the league in penalties. Um, so we'll see if that's something that those new those new young coaches can uh, help clean up over there in Las Vegas. 
On the interior of the defensive line, it's going to start with Jonathan Hankins, Bilal Nichols, who have been really solid. Uh, uh, run stuffers really solid against the pass. Really, their defensive, their interior defensive line is stacked. Uh, Kyle Pico, Brandon Butler have been starters for a long time. Uh, they drafted Matthew Butler from Tennessee, who we were both really high on, and Neil Farrell, who we were both yeah. really high on. And then Andrew Billings, which is kind of an under-the-radar name. So uh, Andrew Billings was uh, last year spent time with the Browns. Before that, uh, he was with um, the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, he's got a lot of starting experience, kind of more of a true nose tackle. He's 6'1", 328 pounds. Uh, he was a former fourth-round pick in 2016, so he's still very young. There is a legit eight guys on that interior, that defensive tackle area, and there's not going to be eight spots available. There will probably be five at most, maybe six. Um, and so, I mean, Neil Farrell, Matthew Butler probably aren't going to the practice squad. Uh, they'll get picked up real quick. Um, they may end up cutting a, an extra – nose tackle because they may not it's just not their style of defense it's kind of surprising they signed andrew billings when you're looking for guys that are a little bit lighter but in heavy sets and goal line situations and you want to beef up you'll you need to have at least one guy there who can kind of stand over the zero and and control the line of scrimmage from right there and let everybody else around him make plays uh that could be andrew billings that could be um kyle pico kyle pico's a bigger guy as well um, I don't know who's going to make make this roster out of this bunch, but it's going to be a tight group. And they really, really stacked up uh, on the interior of the defensive line. Yeah. Uh, Pico Butler, just big bodies. Um, they're going to be very hard to run the football on and, and very tough when you need to sneak it in there on the goal line. Um, lots and lots of bodies. And then they're going to be really clearing up things um, for those Ed rushers to do damage. Um, so uh, up front Raiders defense looks pretty solid, at least on the defensive line. It does for sure. Um, you know, Pico is kind of built like, uh, like, uh, Christian Covington, you know, kind of a, a guy who's just got the size, maybe not the weight behind him, but he's got the size and the strength to really match up really well. And that's going to be a force for them for sure. Um, moving on to their linebackers, I'm waiting for my ESPN depth chart thing to reload. <laughs> Give me a quick second. Uh, they got Denzel Perryman, who really had his breakout year last year, had a ton of tackles, played much better than he ever did with the Chargers. Uh, Jayon Brown, who has been a, a mainstay, he's expected to be their, uh, their middle linebacker. Denzel Perryman expected to be their Will. And Divine Diablo is expected to be their Sam. Um, I kind of feel like that's a little backwards. I feel like being the will, you want the more athletic player. That's probably going to be Divine Diablo. And then your force is going to be your Denzel Perryman uh, playing um, over the tight end while they're um, on the line of scrimmage. Uh, they also have some depth there as well. Micah Kaiser, Kenny Young, not over the radar the top players that you'd expect to 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 be kind of mainstays for injury, but Micah Kaiser has playing experience. So does Kenny Young. I really, really liked the success story that Denzel Perryman came up with last year, uh, going over to the Panthers, getting traded back to the Raiders uh, to go play with Gus Bradley. 
Gus Bradley left. I think he's now coaching for Indianapolis. Might be their defensive coordinator there now. Uh, but Denzel Perryman really had a breakout year, and he's a player that I've always really liked uh, just in terms of – he's just a funny dude. You ever hear him mic'd up or anything like that? Uh, really coming no, into I've himself. always liked him. He was a – that was a tough uh, departure, watching him him and um, – Watching Casey Hayward leave was tough, but uh, Perriman hurt because I feel like we were just in getting. I, I could feel this uh, season coming for him in 2021, and I felt like we would have really utilized him um, in the middle of our defense last year. Uh, he had 154 tackles in 2021. That's insane. He had 350 you know- with us in six seasons in San Diego and LA. <laughs> <laughs> that, that is ridiculous. You know, where he really started coming into his own when he was rotating in with Kenneth Murray his rookie season. And, I mean, you think of the, the – there's he had a bunch of big hits, like huge, huge hits. And the one that I'm thinking of that comes to mind right now is the Joe Mixon hit that caused the fumble. Mm. Or the Mekhi Becton, putting Mekhi Becton on oh, his yeah. ass. That was insane to go and see a, a player who's like 245, 255 pounds – knock down a 370 pound offensive tackle is just yeah. he's a hitter i think the, his his struggles have always been against the pass which mm-hmm. is kind of where you're going to um you're really looking for the gerald everett denzel perryman matchup next season as as being one of those that could really hurt the raiders that's, quite a bit that's gonna be tough for denzel um that's gonna be a tough matchup for sure that's gonna be a huge huge matchup but Perryman really came into his own. He's always been a really, really good run defender, always really good at sifting through traffic, finding the ball carrier. Uh, he makes some really, really jaw-dropping tackles, some, some hits that just lay people out. Um, coming out of Miami, that's kind of what Miami does, their hitters. Yeah. I, I really I really do miss Perryman. He's not a fit on our roster, but the, the man, the human being, the player, always a fun player to watch. I agree. Um, they traded for Rocky Sin, who kind of has struggled throughout his career. He was a high draft pick. I want to say he was like an early second, late first for the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, finally going to get another chance to start. He set out almost all of last season with some injuries. Had a really good rookie season kind of to start, but he had all these injuries that piled on. Uh, Trayvon Mullen has been exposed quite a bit in his career. Um, he's one of the mainstays of of their cornerback room uh, just because everything around him has been moving around quite a bit. Uh, Jonathan Abram at the safety position is terrible. Uh, He's a horrible player. He's a dirty player, but he's also really bad. And then Trayvon Morig has been a, uh, he he was a really good draft pick for them. I really like Morig coming out of TCU. Um, playing the, that free safety position in Gus Bradley's defense is not easy. Everybody struggles with it. Uh, you're asked to cover a lot of ground. Uh, and he did a really good job with what he was asked to do. Um, with a new defensive coordinator, I think you're going to see him utilized a little bit closer to uh, what was the Oregon safety that when played for um, the Patriots and he ended up retiring uh, like two or three seasons ago. Uh, he's going to be utilized a lot like him. Um, trying to think of the player 2019 Patriots depth chart. Safety? We'll get 
Yeah, he played safety, and he's been really, really good for them. Out of Oregon. Uh, yeah, he, Patrick Chung. So he's going to gonna... be utilized a lot like Patrick Chung, I think, um, which I'm excited to see his development, maybe not against us, but, again, another player I've been really high on. And then the last two players you can talk about for their secondary. Uh, Nate Hobbs was a really, really good slot defender. Uh, he's going to miss some games this season due to a DUI he received toward the end of last year. Um, that the UI hadn't been processed yet, so he was able to still play in the um, the postseason. Kind of an idiot, dumb, bonehead move after what happened to um, the wide receiver. Uh, but, I mean, you're going to have to pay your dues eventually. Anthony Everett uh, coming over for Baltimore has been a really good rotational uh, secondary player for them as well. Yeah, and they got a little depth there. Um, brought in Darius Phillips also this year. I think all three of those guys, um, once Hobbs gets back, once get Hobbs gets back, I I think you're going to see uh, Darius Phillips, Nate Hobbs, and Averitt kind of all battle it out trying to get well, – I think Hobbs is solidified in that, in that corner or in that slot position um i think you're gonna see averitt and uh phillips kind of compete for that second outside corner position side of uh opposite side of um rocky sin uh because like you were saying i, I think the tray on mullen tray on mullen it, it will be good for you if he's your fourth or fifth cornerback if you're going to use him as a depth option at this point i think you're in a spot rely on him to play you know guard your second the, uh, the opponent's second best player. Um, I, I don't think is a good spot for him. Um, and he's going to continue to get exposed if, if given those starter minutes. I think Rocky Sin, uh, you know, change of scenery, good for him. I think he is a guy kind of just ne- not really performing up to his expectations. But um, a lot of times guys like that, all they need is, is a new uniform, a new coach telling them what to do. Um, and that's really all it needs to kind of upstart his career so we'll see what you get in rocky sin i thought that was a good signing for them i really like that player um trick and then beyond but that's really it uh jonathan abram horrible player trayvon morig I, I think you know the jury's still out on that pick he's a young guy uh, like you were saying he's asked to do a lot in a very tough system um they're gonna move away from that gus bradley system to probably give him a little more leniency i'm not going to have to be relied on as heavily as he was as the last ring of defense in the gus bradley system um but we'll see if if he can kind of progress um but abram and and mullen are absolutely horrible should not be starting in any nfl roster um but i'm happy that they're on my least favorite team in in the league right now which is the las vegas raiders and it always is and then moving on to their special teams units, uh, Daniel Car- Carlson has been a pretty reliable, sturdy uh, place kicker for them. Uh, ended up winning them the game last year that sent them to the playoffs. A.J. Cole has been an above-average punter as well. Um, Hunter Renfro is going to be their really solid punt returner. Not a guy that's going to, to find a whole lot of wiggle room, but he's a very reliable catcher and not going to be muffing very many punts. And then the uh, their their kick return is really where they're going to kind of struggle. Right now, they have Kenyon Drake and Tyron Johnson listed as their kick returners. Uh, I think you might see Zamir White get some opportunities there. 
Um, they're probably not going to put Hunter Renfro in that kind of situation where he can go and get injured. And maybe Keelan Cole gets a, 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 a turn, maybe Brandon Bolden, but they really don't have a um, player that's going to go and break it for 98 yards. It's just not going to happen for them. They just don't have the speed. And I think that's really what this offense is missing is just speed on on their offense because they're they don't have anybody that can really stretch the field uh, at all. Um, the last thing I kind of wanted to talk about uh, that we kind of skipped is I wanted to talk a little bit more about their coaching staff. I did talk about their defensive coordinator. Uh, Mick Lombardi is going to be their offensive coordinator. Uh, he embarks on his first season as the offensive coordinator with the Raiders in 2022. Joins the Silver and Black, having spent the previous three years in New England, serving as assistant quarterbacks coach in 2019 before being promoted to wide receivers coach last year. Uh, prior to joining the Patriots, he served as an offensive assistant with the New York Jets from 17 to 18. Spent four seasons with the 49ers uh, from 2013 to 2016, holding multiple positions during his tenure, including assistant to the head coach, offensive assistant, and defensive quality control coach. Uh, he entered the NFL with the Patriots as it, uh, coming from the scouting realm uh, in 2011 and 12. Uh, he began his coaching career at Fordham as a student assistant coach in 2009. Uh, so he's got about 10 years of experience, a little, it's going to be his first offensive coordinator position, which is going to be a little bit uh, challenging for them. They may struggle a little bit. I don't think it's going to matter because I think Josh Daniels is calling the plays. What are your thoughts on that? You think Josh Daniels is the offensive coordinator for this group, or do you think he's going to give up uh, play calling? I think it's one of those things. I don't think he starts delegating, right? I think he starts with wanting to put his handprints on everything. Um, he's a new guy. It's his first shot, um, and he's earned that right, right? There's a reason he's the head coach, and these other guys are offensive coordinators. I don't think he thinks about it like that as like a beat my chest I'm the guy kind of thing but I'm not saying that I'm saying is he gonna no. be the Andy Reid and being the play caller no, in I, game day? I think so I think it's I think it starts at I think it starts like that because he he has put in the work to be this head coach so I think he wants it's his baby right he wants to nurture it exactly to what he envisions it to be um, and now I think if you see them struggle out the gate I think you could see them very one of the quicker teams to kind of switch things up. Um, now, because they are so young, because they are unproven, I think you could see it maybe, you know, if they struggle out the gate, win two games in, in the first six, seven weeks, um, I could see him turning the reins over. But I think it out the gate, I think it's McDaniel's play call, um, and he's going to run those plays and, until teams show that they can stop them. Um, I think I think it out the gate, I think it's all McDaniel's. I don't think that he's going to hand over that at all. I think he's going to be a career-long uh, play caller. I think that's what he wants to do. He's going to be an Andy Reid. Like that's, that is what he's known for. He's one of the better offensive-minded head coaches, and I think that he really likes calling the plays. Um, yeah. He didn't give up the play-calling duties when he was the head coach in Denver. Uh, let me give you that's a true. little bit of background on Josh McDaniels, but I think without a doubt he is going to be the play caller always and forever. Never going to give that up. Uh, he's in his 22nd year of coaching, which is crazy because he looks way younger. He looks like he's 23. Coaching. He does. He He's a <laughs> handsome man, that's for sure. Uh, this is his first season as the head coach of the Raiders. Uh, Mark da uh, Davis announced his head coaching, his new head coach on January 31st, before the season had even ended. 
Uh, McDaniels was named the New England offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach uh, in January 2012. Um, he's been their offensive coordinator there since then. So it's been 10 years since he was the, the coach uh, of the um, Denver Broncos, which is crazy to think. Uh, 12 seasons as the offensive coordinator, he's guided the offense to eight top 10 rankings, including the NFL's number one ranked offense in 2007, 2012, wow. and 2017. So this guy is no joke. Uh, Tom Brady was elected to the Pro Bowl eight times underneath him, Elected uh, eclipsed 4,000 passing yards eight times. Uh, McDaniels has been part of six Super Bowl championships with the Patriots, three of them as the offensive coordinator. So there's a lot of experience. There's a, a winning culture he's bringing to the Raiders, which is not good for anybody in the AFC West. Um, his quarterbacks, I mean, just think about all of the records Tom Brady has. That kind of just speaks for itself. And a lot of people think, oh, you know, Tom Brady's the greatest ever. But Tom Brady's had phenomenal coaching his entire career with the Patriots, not just with Bill Belichick, but with a lot of position coaches. I mean, how many coaches have you seen leave the Patriots for head coaching jobs? I mean, the Bill Belichick tree is it's spread far and wide. And while it's Bill Belichick gets all of the credit, how many of those coaches were developed specifically by Josh McDaniels? So Josh McDaniels is also developing these coaches, which is going to be great uh, for a lot of the coaches underneath him. You can expect that the Raiders overall are going to have a phenomenal coaching staff his entire um, tenure there. So just keep that in mind. I already talked about all the Super Bowls, all of the passing records. Tom Brady owes a lot of his development to Josh McDaniels as well. Um, I, I think that they – this guy has been just waiting for the right opportunity, the right system. He's had plenty, plenty of coaching opportunities over the years and continued to turn them down to stay in New England until he found something that he believed was the right fit. He did believe this Raiders team was the right fit. I don't think he was anticipating the load up of all the talent in the AFC. Uh, it's the AFC West particular, but the AFC also. So it's, he's going to have a, a tough go. Uh, but I think he's got a lot of pieces in place. It's a young team. The Raiders are very, very young. And he basically overhauled the entire roster to fit his vision of the team. So uh, that's that's all I have to really say about the Raiders. Kind of what do you think that their record is? How good do you think they can be? Um, I can kind of go through their, um, their schedule here in a bit. Um, but how good are the Raiders going to be? Uh, you know, um, I have such a hard time kind of pegging this team. It seems every year that this this team the 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 talent on the roster, the influx of talent in, in the coaching position, I think is better than it's ever been in a long, long time for that organization. But it is in this organization's DNA to never live up to their expectations. So I'm kind of just looking at this team, trying to figure out where are they going to mess this one up? I feel like it's just a matter of time. I love that, you know, right I don't think out they're going to the mess gate, it up. You think they're going to be good? I think they're going to be much better because I think that 
they have something that they've been lacking for many, many years, and that is uh, a coaching staff that is um, competent, right? No, it's tough to say. It's tough to say, but because I do think they're going to be much better than they've been in recent years. Um, I just I just don't think they're better than – I. Even with even with that, I still think they're the worst team in the division. I think. Which I do. Is not I really, agree on paper. Which is not really a knock either, because all three of those, the other three teams in the division, are elite Super Bowl contending teams. Um, I, and I think they're going to be much better than they've been in the last ten seasons. I just don't. They, they just got really good when the rest of the league and the rest of their division got you know even that much more better so it, it's just a really tough thing to pick um I, I i want to just say uh we're gonna see the same old raiders um but nine and 17 last year was no joke they kind of really battled for that especially with all of the off the field issues that they had to deal with that was a really resilient bunch and i think a lot of they got rid of all that resiliency, though. They they overhauled the entire roster, so a lot of those players that that leadership that kind of kept everybody together is is gone. Yeah, but I feel like they're gonna. That's their whole thing, though. They always find something to rally about on. Um, you know, it's always us versus them menta- mentality because everyone hates the Raiders. So I feel like they're gonna find something. You know, Josh McDaniels is too good of a leader to not try at least try to have that rollover um i i just just taking a look at their schedule though i just don't see how they surpass nine and seven um so i think that to me so let's read this off real quick right so uh week one they play the chargers is that a win or loss i I gotta go loss okay we gotta get we gotta get them back okay so blow out it's gonna be a loss I, i agree there uh, do you think that they can beat the Cardinals? No, I don't think. I think they start the season 0-3. So they're going to lose Chargers, Cardinals, Titans. Mm-hmm. Then they go and they play Denver at home. You think they split with Denver at least? Can we give them a, a split there? Oh, they're, that one's in Las Vegas. Yeah, I'll give them that one. All right, so they're 1-3. Uh, then they play the Chiefs One and on four. Monday Night Football in Kansas City. Prime time in Kansas City is going to be tough. Uh, I got a one and four out the gate into their bye. And then you're going to see Las Vegas fans kind of start to worry a bit, just like right. they did last season. So their next couple of games are, are pretty lenient. So then they go to... Houston, or they play Houston at home. I think we can call that a win. Mm-hmm. The Saints, are you high on the Saints? Are you down on the Saints? Who, who are the Saints right now? I think that's going to be... I think you're going to see the Saints as one of the surprises of the year, the season this Not year. Not with James Winston. I, I, no way. I, I like James. I don't think and it's going to be... And they offloaded so much talent because of their cap issues. I think this is a year where they're they're getting cap healthy. Uh, they're going to be offloading some of those massive contracts. They have a whole new coaching staff in place. Um, I don't think the Saints are going to be that good. I'm going to have them beat the Saints. I, I think the Saints are going to be a surprising team, but I think just because of where the Raiders are at in this 
in the in this scenario, I think they do beat New Orleans in New Orleans. Okay, Jacksonville. I think I think we can call that a win. So they're on a three game win streak right now. They're getting hot. Yeah. Three and right? four. So uh, that's four wins. So Texans, Saints, oh yeah, Jaguars, and uh, Broncos. Four All and right? four. Colts are going to be a tough matchup. Beat down Indy, Indy in that one. All right. Then they go to the Broncos in uh, the end of November. So you may get a little bit of snow potentially. Um, that might be a hard matchup for them. I think they dropped that one too. All right. Then they go uh, play in Seattle. I don't think Seattle's that good right now. No. So that could be a, a, a win there. I think that's a win. Then they have a two two game tough matchup with the Chargers and the Rams. Uh, they play the Chargers at home, and then they play the Rams uh, away. Sorry, they play both games. They're just going to stay in Los Angeles because week thirteen, week fourteen, they play in the same stadium. One against the Chargers, one against the Rams. No, no, I think week thirteen is in Vegas, and then week fourteen is oh, you're at right, Ofi. Yeah, you're right. You think they win either of those games? No. West Coast. Maybe if they were still on the coast, they might. All have right. A here's a here's an interesting matchup. They play New England at home, week fifteen. So they're not going to be playing in the cold. I nobody knows the Patriots better than Mike McDaniel's. No, I think it's a really close one. Um, I think that's a a close grind it out game but i see the raiders kind of squeaking it out just as a as you know the new kid on the block kind of past the reins belichick um and i see that as a game that the media is going to hype up sunday night sunday night football that's going to be a good game i'm definitely tuning into that one but um i I think i think vegas has the edge uh, at least on paper and at least in this hypothetical scenario so we're at six wins then they week 16 they play uh, the Steelers. Steelers still have a really good defense. I don't know about their offense right now. I think they're going to have a strong run game. Uh, yeah. Their offensive line is starting to come together. Still a long ways from being competing. I think that's going to be a close game for them as well. I'll I'll give them the win there. So they're they've won seven games, and then their final uh, two matchups are against the Niners and Chiefs. Loss, loss. So I got we we got them at seven and ten. Seven and ten. And that's assuming that they can't squeak out wins against some good teams, right? That, that, Any given Sunday. Right. Um, which. So they're a fringe playoff, kind of probably more outside. The, they'll probably be eliminated by like week 16, week 17, somewhere right. around there is where they could potentially be eliminated. But they win one or two of those games that they're not supposed to. And we're looking at them potentially sneaking in again. So. Are they kind of the same team as they were last year, unexpectedly? We'll ha- yeah, I, we'll have to see. Because I mean, I could really just just taking a look at the, you know doing this with you, I could see them getting anything from six wins to potentially eleven wins if they put it all together. If they do what they're supposed to do, they could get eleven wins in in this season. I think that they're the thing that is the most suspect right now is their secondary. Yeah, I really though I I think they're going eight and nine or is it eight and nine? Yeah, it would be eight, nine, or nine, seven, and eight. ten, eight, and nine. Yeah, I think they're going eight and nine or nine and eight. Um, and they're just going to. It's going to be two games. They're going to drop two games they shouldn't, playoff. and they're going to win two games that they shouldn't, and they're yeah, going to be right is, in it. 
fringe playoff right there. They're going to be in the run because I feel like a lot of the AFC is going to be splitting and you're going to have one of those that we talked about it last week. We're going to have one of those games that they just squeak into somehow. Um, they always do. Yeah. And so they, well, they, they, I, I think they're going to be much better. And to be honest, I even think that they might be better overall than the Broncos, mainly because the Broncos coaching staff isn't, isn't in a place where I think that the Raiders and I think that bad teams on paper with good coaching surprise. So if that's the case, the, the Raiders could be better than the Broncos purely for the coaching staff. They might not be as talented on paper, but uh, teams that are disciplined find a way. And I feel like the Raiders this season, they're going to be disciplined. I think they're going to be a lot more disciplined than the Broncos. And I think that's going to make all the difference. And a dis- just hearing the, those words together, disciplined Raiders, like that's kind of scary. But the I mean, coaching staff some- is going to have it in place, right? You'd hope so. I mean, that's their job, right? Um, but it's like one of those untamable horses. Like, they've never been tamed. So we'll have to see. Maybe McDaniels is the, the Raider whisperer that this team has been needing. I guess we'll find out. I still right, want to beat them down. I'm sick of them. Thank you guys I'm... so much for listening. Uh, we're going to beat them down. That's, I want to beat them down. Uh, next week, uh, I think we're going to have kind of a fun episode. We're going to do a uh, Chargers all-time greats draft uh, where it's going to be my team versus your team. We're going to go through the whole draft. Um, I'm going to send you a draft board, Zach, of kind of players that I put together. And then uh, we'll we'll get your guys' take on who has the better roster. Um, Just some kind of fun before the uh, preseason hits, before training camp hits. We're so close. Um, We're so close. A couple weeks away. And then right right around July 30th and the first week of August, I'm going to be on my honeymoon. So we'll be taking a a, a short mini break. Maybe, Zach, you can find somebody to bring on, maybe a guest or something like that. But uh, I'm going to be taking some time off for my wedding, which I'm stoked about. So Yeah. We'll we'll play it by ear. Um, I'm not going to sign up for anything yet, but I I think – might have something in the works all right thank you so much for listening um give us a follow on youtube we are on youtube now if you're listening to this on spotify um we have a lot of things coming down haven't even had a chance to really talk about all 22 um but we'll, we'll get there all right